Popcorn Heist is an interactive community of pop culture lovers that spans multiple mediums. We dive deep into TV shows and movies of the past, present, and future to bring you the hottest takes and the coldest truths. Do you have what it takes? Join the heist. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Popcorn Heist, the podcast. I'm Jake. I'm Tommy. And welcome back, guys. We are here again, and Nicholas is without us again, that scoundrel. he. Uh, we're talking about Sopranos again, if you haven't guessed uh, by reading the title of the episode, and Nick has not seen Sopranos. He's still behind. What is it well, like? You know, it, it, it only came out about 20 years ago, so you know you have to give him time yeah. to watch the show. I mean, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, for sure. But uh, Tommy is with us, our trivia host, our frequent blog writer, and and our permanent Popcorn Heist team member, vital part of the team. Glad to have you here, Thank Tommy. You. Glad to be here. And yeah, so if you didn't listen to last episode, it was Sopranos, and we're kind of on a Sopranos run the past few weeks uh, with The Many Saints of Newark coming out recently, but we interviewed Ray Abruzzo, who played Little Carmine Lupertazzi on the original series, so if you haven't listened to that episode, highly recommend checking it out. It was a really fun conversation, but today we're going to talk about The Many Saints of Newark, going to review it, and the Popcorn Heist Report card is going to hold nothing back, as it normally does. Um, so, but without further ado, before we get into that, for those of you who are joining for the first time, Popcorn Heist is a brand created by Nicholas and I to share movie and TV content created by diehard fans. But Popcorn Heist, the podcast, is a show where we can specifically nerd out about franchises we love the most, like Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar, and in this case, The, the Sopranos. We release new episodes on Thursdays, and if you like an episode you listen to, please give us a follow and a review on iTunes because it really helps the show grow. And we'd be remiss if we also didn't mention the other podcast on the Popcorn Heist Network called The Simps Guide to the MCU, where the relationships, romances, and bromances of the Marvel Cinematic Universe are discussed with Alyssa and Kelly. And if you want more pop culture content, such as blog posts, rankings, brackets, and Tuesday trivia, visit us online at popcornheist.com or follow us on Instagram at popcornheist. So, Tommy, without further ado, uh, we have another guest on the podcast today. And funny enough, He's related to our very own Nicholas Mandela, uh, who has not watched The Sopranos. Uh, please welcome Nick's brother, Eddie Mandela. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, everybody. Happy to be on. Excited. Make my popcorn debut. And uh, so I've been for Nikki. Yeah. Shout out to Nikki. So, Eddie, how, and, did uh, you, how did you get into The Sopranos? Like, what, what, what do you love about it so much? Well, in my junior year of high school, um, my report card wasn't up to my parents' standards. Took my first grounding and uh, needed some way to pass the time. So that was really, Sopranos was the first show I really got into as far as like a drama goes, you know, a long series to follow episode by episode. And I just binged it, you know, all six seasons, probably a month, month and a half. And I was just hooked. It was unlike anything i ever seen. And, you know, might have been a tough one to start off with because where do you go from there? I've seen a lot of great shows since, but for me, Sopranos is always king. And I know me, Tommy, and you alike have been looking forward to another installment in the Spanos franchise ever since. Yeah, dude. Um, 
that's really one to start your first binging series. I mean, my yeah. first was breaking, my first was breaking bad and it was tough for me to get into a series after that. But after watching Sopranos, that's like what started it all with antiheroes, you know, you know, what? I yeah, did Entourage and it was pretty easy to find something that was up to par with Entourage after I watched it. So I, I didn't have a problem like you guys. Did. <laughs> no, Entourage <laughs> is up there too, though. <laughs> Entourage is great, but it's not it's the Sopranos or Breaking Bad. Even though I've heard it's really good. It's a whole I, thing. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, Breaking Bad's over Tommy. It is. It, oh, no, that's a whole different podcast. That's a whole different podcast. But um, yeah, that's why we got Eddie on here. You know, Popcorn House is about bringing fans on, talking about why we love certain shows, and Eddie is a Sopranos nut. So that's why we brought him on. <laughs> Pretty much right every in. single theory I have in my head comes from something Eddie told me about the Sopranos on literally really? every single topic in the show. Um, he's the he's definitely the go-to guy for the Sopranos talk. I appreciate that, Tommy. That's flattering to hear. I'm excited to hear um, if anything you saw in new work change the way you felt about any of those theories, or at least add a context to them. We'll get so, into that. We'll get so, in. I'm so, sure we will. <laughs> so before we get into like topics and stuff like that, let's give a spoiler warning. Spoiler warning for many Saints of Newark, and spoiler warning for all of the Sopranos because we're going to talk about everything, uh, most likely. Um, that being said, Eddie, what what's like, what's what was one of your like proudest theories that you had about The Sopranos, even if it was debunked or or confirmed by Many Saints of Newark? Well, I don't know if it's been debunked or confirmed. It's been um, commented on by actors and creators. Uh, I'd say the one I pushed the hardest is the big one, the Holston's diner scene. What the ending means, that interpretation. Um, I, I've become I've maybe become more nuanced on it, but it, my my theory was that he the blackout meant that he was he was clipped. There, yeah. I don't know if I still fear that's a hardline thing or but my my key clue was the Bobby Bacala scene on the boat in the first episode of, of season six, uh the part one, where he said you probably don't even hear where it happened. You know, and then yeah. the second to last episode at the very end when Tony's going to his mattress, he thinks about that conversation. And for me, that was a little bit of foreshadowing, and that's and for a couple re other reasons. I I kind of that's the way I understood that. It's a popular popular theory, yeah. Meadow Soprano uh, trying to park three times, successful in the third park, three uh, attempts on his life, maybe it's successful on that third try. It, it's I tough because like that uh, one. that's fantastic. I never heard like that, that one. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> It's I'm sure I, yeah. third one. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, <laughs> does anyone argue against that? That's that's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you liked that. I'm happy. I, I thought I might have said you that before, what? but I'm happy this is the first. <laughs> I've watched that episode a million times, and every single time I sit there, I'm like, "This is so stupid! What a dumb thing for Meadow to be doing in the end of the show!" Like, I don't care that and now it all. Wow. It seems like a little out of place, right? <laughs> it makes no sense because it's not like there was ever a conversation about it, and then suddenly, wow. All right. Sopranos is good, you guys. <laughs> well, you know what? I know, um, Jake, your cousin, by the way, phenomenal episode. Um, I, I, I appreciated his take on it. I know, I know we, uh, we disagree. But, um, you know, he, he, he had a context to it. And, and what he said resonated, too, that maybe it's just the, the, the nerves of being clipped at any moment. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the beauty of it and why 
we're still talking about is because it's left open for that interpretation. And, like it's so undefinitive. That's what makes it genius. You know, there's clues from my theory. Yeah. Um, everybody has their own understanding of it. I think, I think it could be legitimate to say, you know, he was or he wasn't. And I don't think either side would be wrong. But um, unfortunately, you know, RIP to, to the... Similar to your cousin, my, my mother uh, has the same theory. Um, my mother watched the show as it was happening. And her theory is that he's not, you don't know if he's dead or alive, but that whole scene was to show that he'd, he'd always be looking over his shoulder, like he's never going to get away from that life. And I get that that was absolutely what they were trying to show, but you know, it's, it's asking what happened after. And even David Chase has gone back and forth like 10 times, like, no, he's dead. No, maybe not. Maybe he's alive. Now he's dead. So I think, I don't think anyone. Well, that's what I was going to mention. Right. And no one has a. Sorry, Tommy, we said it to confirm. He he did mention it was a death shot about two or three years ago. And then he he went back. Oh, I was just saying, you know, that's what people think it is. Right. I just saw there was an interview with Chris Moltisanti saying uh, he never asked, but he knows he wouldn't have gotten a straight answer because the answers changed so many times. It seems that was unintentional by Chase. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, people look at this. It's it's was that 2009. It's 11 years later and everyone's still talking about it. Talking about it, exactly. Yeah. 12 years later. That was really bad. I found I it mean, interesting that he even reached out to all the people who are part of his show with a with an agreement to not even defend it or come out and comment yeah. on it and and let the viewer come to their own interpretation. I, I like that. I mean, like, that's very, like, David Chase. That's like, this is what I did. You know, don't try to defend it. You know, it is what it is, which, honestly, respect to that. Do you think an alternate like reality, if, if, if they made a movie and Gandafini was still around, do you think they would have went that route? Is, is that why he kept it open, or was that to preclude... Ooh. I remember a few years ago, there was a story that right before he died, that um, the bar that they shot as the Bada Bing was told not to make changes because they were going to be coming back to film. And then he died and the plans changed. So I'm sure, I mean, I hate to say it because it's such a good show, but like money is the ultimate motivator. and, And, you know, if you've realized like, oh, I could make millions off of just writing two hours of a movie, he, which he did, he could say, you know, he would absolutely not have killed Tony and say like, oh no, look, he's alive because people would flock to the theaters to see it. I flocked to a movie that he wasn't even in to see it. Like I literally <laughs> went to the theaters to see that movie. <laughs> big, um, That's so going to be a big topic it, of a uh, big topic of discussion for many saints. I mean, um, we'll get into, I, I think we should start our conversation and talk about uh, many saints because it's equally as and not equally as talked about. I don't think it's going to be talked about as much as like the, and theorized about like the finale was, but equally as like everyone has their own opinions on it. I've heard a lot of different people say that they love it. A lot of people say they're in the middle. A lot of people say that they didn't like it at all. Um, But before we get into that conversation, uh, we always do our quote of the episode on popcorn heist, the podcast. And this one is from the many saints of Newark. I'm opening my text because I texted it to Tommy to get his approval before the episode. (laughs) Uh, so this episode, <laughs> uh, I felt it was very fitting for just the Sopranos in general. Um, it is when Dickie Moltisante is in prison talking to his uncle, um, Salvatore Moltisante, Sally Moltisante. And he says, all life is pain. Pain comes from wanting things. And I thought that that was a great quote because it kind of encapsulates that 
throughout the Sopranos, I mean, what tends to be everyone's downfall, whether it be uh, Johnny Sack or Chrissy or Pauly or Tony or even, um, I don't know, even Carmela too. You could say that all they just want things. They want recognition. They want power. They just want things. They want all eyes to be on them. And for many of them, and possibly even Tony, it ends up being their downfall. And you could even say the same for Dickie. I think that's one of the things maybe uh, I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on. Uh, what did you think of Dickie Moltisanti in this movie? Um, did you expect the whole movie to be about Dickie rather than Tony? I'll leave it open for you guys. Yeah, honestly, like I, I think it's rare that you find – I mean that guy's pretty relatively unknown, the actor. and He came on – he was like – I found him to be super likable and he shouldn't have been. It was very similar to Tony. They were trying to make him into a modern-day Tony, which I get, but – he he was very likable and i i thought he was like a good character i think they gave a lot of backstory on him um really quickly and you kind of started immediately to think like oh this guy's awesome um and it was even better that the character himself had to be charming and you see other people kind of jealous of his ability to kind of be the boss like you saw junior in like four different scenes looking at him, hating him, um, because he saw like, oh man, this guy's just so good at what he does. I thought that was like excellent casting and I I really enjoyed the character. I thought he was uh, a, a good wrinkle and I didn't think the whole movie would be about him and then Tony would be more of a side character for most of it. But, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that that was any reason that anything that took away from the movie or anything like that. It, it was People called it the Sopranos movie. It it wasn't a Sopranos movie. It was really like a sort of like, you know, the movie like Knocked Up and This is 40. It's like similar characters, but it's a whole separate story and it has nothing to do with the original. That was kind of what it was like. They A few people intersected, but it wasn't anything I thought, um, you know, wholly necessary. Very different feel. Than yeah, it, it was not at all like how era, I thought the Sopranos you know, episode. Uh, I think they tried I, I more think to... in that way. You good? No, I would say it's probably it's more challenging of a movie to make. It's not just you yeah. know keying on this nostalgia of a great show, but has right. to build sort of its own story that is a foundational piece of what we already know. Right. I felt like they went more into trying to make it like a Goodfellas or a Casino type um, gangster right. movie rather than a like a Sopranos extension, which. You know, I I was fine with. I didn't I didn't think I was going in to see a two hour Sopranos movie. Like, um, I know I just mentioned it. Like the Entourage movie, uh, kind of just felt like a two hour episode of Entourage. And yeah, um, I remember leaving being like, all right, I mean, that wasn't really necessary. It had nothing to do with the like the actual premise of the show, and it kind of just extended it. And we ended up in the same place we were in, so it was weird. But this didn't feel like I don't feel that this took away from the show at all. I don't feel that this took away from the ending of the show. I think they handled it pretty well. Um, but on that note, I did feel that it was, I felt about this kind of the same way I felt about Solo and the um, Entourage movie. Like, I felt like it just sort of like happened to me. I didn't, I don't care that it exists. I, I'll, I'll almost definitely never watch it again. I don't think it was bad, but it was just like, okay, good to go. Now let's really, I'm, Yeah, I wouldn't say it's that, you know, the greatest piece of cinema I ever saw, but I'm surprised you said you were, you wouldn't go back to it or. I don't have, if it's on and it's a good scene, I'll probably right. leave it, but I, I definitely will never go out of my way to be like, Oh, you know what I'm going to watch tonight? Many saints. Right. Like right. I, it, to me, it was just very like, you know, Oh, okay. 
there were a lot of parts where I was like, oh, there it is. But yeah, yeah, that, I didn't really. Uh, I I was I was didn't care to ever see it again. Yeah, it. I think that's a really good comparison. Tommy is uh, the solo comparison. Is that like it instead of a prequel, it felt more of like an anthology film where like right. you you don't have to see this at all to understand The Sopranos or. I mean, for longtime fans, it adds some stuff. But like you said, like if I was in a Sopranos mood and I was like really theor, if I was rewatching the series and I was like started to theorize and I caught something, and I was like, oh, let me go back and watch that one scene in Many Saints to like see how that connects. I don't know if I would ever sit down and be like, all right, fam, tonight we're watching Many Saints in Newark, you know? Right. But if I was ever like rewatching Sopranos and I'm like, oh, wait. I, I'm kind of interested at in what Junior just said here. Let me go back and like watch that scene. Like I would go back and watch Many Saints. Yeah. Um, another thing I actually had a comparison was uh, there's an old I don't remember when it's from, but it's an old Family Guy clip of when he says, "I get excited when they say the title of the movie in the movie, and they just yeah. show him, and it's like drugs represent a clear and present danger." And he goes, "Oh, he said it. He said it. <laughs> I did that." for two hours straight every single time there was anything even slightly like mentioning uh the like the scene when they introduced baby christopher to tony and he starts crying it's like some people know things from the other side i was like ah there it is he kills him there it is <laughs> and it was just like it was every two minutes i was doing that like i i didn't hate that that was there but i think it was a little too much like i think it was just the whole script was just okay that sentence had a an easter egg for the show how about this sentence? We should also have an Easter egg to the show in that sentence. How about the next sentence? Also an Easter egg. It was just constant like references to the show, which is cool for the fans. But eventually, I was like, "All right, enough. Like, do your own story." Do you think the, the Easter egg overkill? I did. I think, and I didn't in the show. I thought they did them so well in the show, like the thing with Chris yeah. being um, in Goodfellas, and then him doing what happened to him in Goodfellas to another kid. I thought was awesome. Right. Um, right. But that was like. That was one scene in one episode in one season and that was it and they didn't really address it ever again this one there was just like like a specific thing uh not to be vulgar here but it's junior says it in the movie uh he says your sister's <laughs> uh <laughs> and he says it twice <laughs> like it was a funny scene in the show when it happens when he falls in the shower <laughs> He says it. It's the first line in the movie. Like, there's no reason for that to be. They didn't even need to put it in the movie. And not only did they put it in, they put it in twice. And one scene, I mean, he was just on the phone. He just yells it and slams the phone down. And then when he falls, if they did it when he fell, it'd be like, oh. But when he does it the second time, I was like, I, that is not something I needed to see at this moment. And, and I the fall he... itself is a parallel, right? Correct. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it, if they didn't do the phone thing and that was the only time they did it was when he fell outside the church, I would have been like, oh, hilarious. But when they did it in the well, beginning, I was like, oh, okay, there it is. And then he does it again later. I was like, all right, now that's just – there was somebody sitting in the room like, you know what we should do? Get him to say it twice. Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason for that. <laughs> Easy I, I cheers. Thought, right? Easy. <laughs> I thought he was great though. Like he, like he was one of the characters – I think there were some characters where I didn't totally feel – like it felt like they were playing old, like the older version of the character, just in a younger person's body, not the younger version of that yeah. character. Whereas Corey um, Stoll, I felt like, oh wow, that's Junior. That's how Junior would yes. deliver that line. You know, I literally was sitting there taking notes on like the people. I wrote things down. Um, 
Junior, I did. I he he was fantastic. Like I thought the casting was great. It it felt a little bit like a caricature almost of Junior, but he looked like him. He sounded just like him. The 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 dialogue was great. Um, the the mother the the uh, Livia, uh, oh, my mother so pointed good. out to me. She was great, but um, Vera Farmiga is far too pretty to play. Um what the woman who was on the Sopranos, like who was on the Sopranos is one of the more homely looking women in the history of the world. And Vera Farmiga is like beautiful. And I, I remember when, and she sounded like her, the di- again, the dialogue was all perfect. Like it was things she would say in the show, but it was just very much like the, the guy who played Paulie. I don't know that he ever watched an episode of the Sopranos. That's the easiest character in the world to play. Tommy, I didn't no, realize that- he was Paulie. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Because I was like, for the first part of the movie, I'm like, which one's Paulie? And then I, then yeah, I got it. They said Paulie. I was, I was like, like, maybe I missed something. Oh, there or must line, be two but, Yeah. That guy was literally walking around. Like, Paulie right. had such a distinct, like, oh. And then this guy comes in. He's like, hi, how are you? How's your day going? I was like, what is what is this? This is ridiculous. <laughs> he didn't sound like him. He didn't do, look like... like him. He didn't talk, like, walk like him. Nothing. It was That guy literally was just like, you know what? I'm going to make this my own. And nobody in the world wanted that guy to do that. Everybody wanted to see. Did he repeat any Paulie. jokes? I, even, I honestly didn't there's pay one, attention to that. That's one Easter egg I would have liked if he repeated a joke. There's that one would have got it. That would have sucked. <laughs> there's one line though that he delivered, and I was like, "Oh, that's Paulie." That when they're all sitting in the club and someone swears, and he's like, "Hey." There's ladies here, and he does like the movie yeah, yeah. that Paulie does. I do remember that. That was a good one. I, 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 yeah. Like I, the, uh, I, but yeah, that might have been one I noticed, Jake. I don't know how deep that was in the movie, but I think that's one of the. I was like, oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah, but like, would you have preferred? Let's compare him to the guy who played Silvio. Like, I think that was too much. Like, I think he was trying I, to okay. play like a, he wasn't trying to lean too far into like the Pauliisms that would take away and be like, oh, that's. I'm that's gonna put a lot. my phone up to the screen. I wrote Silvio. Tried too hard. Like that guy was, he, that guy said, you know what? This guy really overacts. You know what I should do is overact on a guy who overacts. Overacted. And he was just the, the mouthing the, the, the hair I get, that's not up to him. And that's, but it just, it, why is he standing like this the whole time? Just like hanging his head down. Like, Oh, like Silvio did that in like three scenes in the entire show. He's like, tom, tom. like it was just so like over the top. And I have another question. Did they ever address on the show that all these guys were so much older than Tony? Because I remember seeing this like, oh, these guys are teenagers. And that was weird, right? Other people have that feeling? That's not just me? I want to say I had a debate with my buddy Lou the other day about whether or not Silvio was part of the card heist that vaulted Tony up into to becoming a made man on his road to be a made man. He wasn't. It was him and his cousin... Tony Blundetto, right? Well, I, I think Tony B was in it, but you know Ralph when he tells Jackie, he goes, "Oh, Tony," uh, and I think he mentioned Sill and Pussy. They all made their stripes by robbing a card game, and that's what gives Jackie the idea to yeah. do one himself, which obviously goes horribly wrong. But I w- and then I looked it up, and it seems I meant to watch the, uh, go back to the episode and get a chance, but I'm pretty sure that he mentions that Sill was part of that crew to go to heist that game. And then I was re- I did read about it, and it said, "Oh, that was you know." Kind of up for it, but he was younger than older guys, but older than the younger guys, so he could have been, you know, maybe part of both crew. But it seemed like Sil was around Tony's age and made his stripes alongside with him. It was jarring because they made it seem like 
in the, in many saints that Silvio was the same age as Pauli, which Pauli is clearly much older than Sil. Right. You know, and, and also mean, it was like a, a trio of of Pauli, Pussy, and and Silvio, which I was fine with them being a trio, like they they were in the show, but. Why are they all full-grown adults that are already doing the thing and Tony's like 16? Like I never felt on the show like, oh, here's this young up-and-comer and here are his old friends. Like I thought like, oh, these guys are all the same age and Paulie is older. They made jokes about Paulie being right. older than all of them. Right. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, I would have let – I would have let Silvio like slide like, okay, like I could, I guess I could see that. But pussy is, is like the same age as Tony, isn't he? Or right. at least closer to his age. Like he seemed and, like and he was. And it's not only that they did it with just Tony because they also like, I didn't know it was them until after the movie. Uh, the When they steal the ice cream truck, that's Jackie and Artie Bucco. I didn't know that until they never say Artie. I, I, mm. I, no, they never, they never say, Ar- they never say his name. I had to look it up and see that it was him. Because uh, the credits roll and they show Artie Bucco is like, no, that didn't happen. And then, so they never say that. But even Jackie, it's only like, Jackie, can you drive stick? And that's it. That was another one of the things. I was like, oh, that's it. They said it. They said Jackie. But like, those, they were they were children. And like Paulie and 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 Sill and uh, Pussy were like full grown adults already in the mob as Tony was like 12. Flaw. So. Sloppy. Yeah, but let's go back and like, so I didn't realize it was Artie until the second time I watched it in the theaters first. Then I went back and I watched it on HBO Max with captions on just to make sure I like got all the dialogue and, and, the, and stuff. And there's a moment when young, young Tony, like not Michael Gandolfini, but the younger version of Tony is getting off a bus with who's supposed to be Artie. And Tony's like, oh, I want to be in the NFL when I grow up. And he's like, oh, my dad says I have to run his restaurant when I grow up. And then Tony responds back to him and says, oh, my dad says I'm going to rob your restaurant when I grow up. Like something like that. It's like mm-hmm. a very like sly wink, but that's the only way I knew it was Artie is when I watched with the captions on. Okay. But um, my, overall, the- my overall coming out of this movie like is that this would have been – I think we can all agree. It would have benefited so much more being a miniseries or a series because all of these yes. like winks spread across – yeah. episodes would have been fantastic. I think okay. just like the struggle. Yeah, you like, took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, I think the platform was a big part of what, yeah. what made this now, different than the show or expectations. It was too clustered. It was too quick, you know, and you spec layers I, and development over courses of seasons and hours. It's yeah, hard to pack like that into two hours. Of, uh, like another comparison to make would be uh, like what they should have done. And it's like, I hated it the first time and like going back and rewatching it. How I Met Your Mother's final season all took place inside of like one, like three days, one weekend. Mm-hmm. And every episode had like two or three nods to like past seasons. And you got like some jokes wrapped up, some jokes brought back. Every single episode had like two, maybe three. And I thought at first that when you're watching it week to week, I was like, oh, that kind of sucked. But when you watch it all together, you you see it. Yeah, I appreciated it. If they had like all of these different like oh, there's Paulie, oh, there's Sylvia, like one once a week you saw them, I don't think I would have had as much of a problem or felt like it was kind of sloppy or squished together. Like, had there been 10 weeks between uh, Junior dropping hard C's, I think I would have laughed both times, but just <laughs> the second time I was like, you know what, like, uh, that's enough. Like, he, that guy clearly watched that episode. He's like, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I want to do it twice. And they, like, and everyone's like, yeah, no, do it twice. That was absurd. <laughs> 
Uh, one other thing about um, casting, uh, she had two lines, maybe three. Whoever they got to play Janice, I like had to Google if that was her daughter. They look so similar. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. I know that sounds like that's yeah. probably going to be an insult to the daughter. Like I, I don't, cause like, obviously you don't, when you're 16, don't want to look like a, a middle-aged woman, but she looked so much like her. Like it, it looked, I, I, I had to like actually go in and check. Like, is that fucking Janice Soprano's daughter? And it, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so before I want to talk about like some of the new characters, we touched on Dickie, but uh, some of the Multisantes. Um, but first thing is, I just want to, before I forget what uh, what I wanted to say is that I saw a lot of people were angry that they were that Silvio had a hairpiece in the movie, but don't they confirm that in the series? Do they? I, I, I don't just because I, I know little Stephen, but the actor has one but you know i read yeah, something that supposedly like it never comes off at any point in this show and the take i read it was the article i was reading was saying that maybe that has something to do with his pride or but he was in bed he was you know with his family winding down and it's on at all time yeah i i don't know i i always assumed like when that happened i was like oh yeah he definitely has a hairpiece like yeah. but i yeah. saw online that people were angry about that they were like he's not bald like silvio like they never confirmed that like i was like i'm sure okay. steven van zandt doesn't care yeah like <laughs> I, I think you think he's sitting in his mansion and as a rock and roll hall of famer <laughs> like damn i wish they didn't make my character bald i don't think he gives <laughs> a hoot uh, i think he now, knows probably yeah, I'm sure they like ran it by him. He probably loved it because he, he wears the bandana when he plays on stage. He wears the had the wig in the show. Um, you said you wanted to talk about the Moltisantes. This made me appreciate Ray Liotta like more than I did. I, Ray Liotta is very underrated. He he's a really he's a good actor. He was awesome in Goodfellas, and then you know he kind of does nothing um, in between, just like little things. He, the two characters were great. I had an, uh, a, a thing that, like, actually, I missed five minutes of the movie because I just couldn't stop thinking about one line of his. He was explaining the to Dickie about the Italian girl. And he's like, oh, did you want to spend some time with your gumar? Now, he's an Italian man in the mob. And he said, you gumar? Now, what? Like, it's it's, first of all, in the show, everybody says goom. It's just goom. Just say goom. <laughs> he says it like he first of all like he's from Chicago he's not and he's like oh did you spend your time with Yargumar it was I missed five minutes of the movie because I couldn't stop thinking about that <laughs> like it was the I, like and, and they watched it they were like oh yeah no that's the that's the one that's the take we'll, we'll put that in the movie <laughs> I, there was no logic behind that and it really got under my skin I, I I was confused about that as well I liked his other character Sal Moltisante a lot better than Hollywood yeah, Dick well. yeah yes I did too the one in prison yeah. Yes, I thought that was cool. I also, when he showed up, I thought it was like a huge twist. Like, he's not dead? And, and you know, that threw me for a loop, too. Like, it, you got to address it sooner than they did. It took like a minute for him to be like, hello, you're my uncle. You look just like my dad. It, like a minute in, I was like, I'm confused. Is this man not dead? I saw him get buried. Yeah, I was confused because the trailers show that scene, show more scenes of him talking to Sal than they do of Hollywood Dick. So at right. the start of the movie, I assumed that Hollywood Dick was Sal, right? And I was just very confused when that when Dicky kills him in in the yeah. car. 
if yeah. you're gonna have a guy play two characters, just like immediately address it. Like have him show up and be like, "Wow, you look so much like my dad, but you're my uncle." <laughs> I don't need like a minute to go by and have me being like, "What is he alive?" I know exactly. What's happening. I hello There's person who looks so much like my dad. Movie out. Yeah, it just does be like, feel "Wow." Like that. And Barb was right. You do look like dad. Just I need something. Slip it in. I don't. It's like they rushed the movie out and they were like, all right, we're going to have Junior drop a couple hard C's. We're going to have him be the uncle and the dad. People will get it. We don't need to explain that. Just take take an extra few weeks and really like iron out the script a little bit. And I think it would have been so much better. Yeah, I said um, it right after the movie. I say it often, but I, I think another 20, maybe 15 to 30 minutes of screen of film time would have went a long yeah. way. Oh, I know we waited a long time for this movie. I know every like it, everything now is a little little down, but a, a great gangster flick. If you look historically, push on three hours, and I just think this this film could have benefited <laughs> from a longer runtime. Yeah, yeah. I don't oh, remember when... who said it. I think there was a comedian. I think it was uh, Tim Dillon said like this should be the ending of this genre of movie. And when you really think about it, it's been a long time since they made like a really good like Italian. Uh, gangster like movie like this like the Sopranos was a show but even like I mean it would you'd have to go probably back to Goodfellas to get a show that like a movie that was really good in that genre like even The Departed is more about the Irish and cops and stuff well, like they when was the last like good mob movie they made do you I didn't I actually still haven't got around to seeing it uh the Irishman you, I never that, saw yeah, it. that was horrific. It was it was three yeah, well, hours did, of my life. Yeah. And I, I walked around, I was like, no, 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 it was really good. You just gotta get past a few parts and then you watch it again. And I was like, Oh my god, there's still three hours of this movie? Like it's well, just that's the other side of it, right? Yeah, as as soon as it opens, I'm like, Oh my god, three more hours. Like it's <laughs> the, I you wanna like respect it because I love these movies, like I love Goodfellas right. and Casino. I think the Godfathers are you know, a little overrated, but I, they're good. I just don't understand the, <laughs> the, like they made the Irishman and they were like, yeah, you know what? Like, let's, let's make it three hours and all the dialogue is going to be super boring and there's going to be no plot. Let's see what happens. And, and they did. And it wasn't good. No, that made less likely to get around to. Mixing yeah, definitely. Three don't. I mean, when are you going to have three hours left? I'm an adult. I have things to do. Imagine people with kids. Like these people have to like take care of a child. I don't have three hours to watch a movie of Al Pacino just mumbling. It, it, it took me a whole a week ahead of scheduling to be like, I'm going to watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is four hours. So I'm like, I, I can't plan that much ahead to watch another right. three-hour movie. And that's something yeah, that you right. want, and you heard was good. This was like. As soon as it came out, I remember being like, this is not going to be good. And I remember thinking, like, nah, it'll be great. I was very wrong. <laughs> um, to be fair, though, I'll, sometimes I'll start Avengers Endgame and be like, I'm only going to watch a few minutes and I watch the entire thing. So yeah, because it's good. That's why. We always say that. Me and Nikki was on TV last night watching it else. And I'm like, I can't do it. Once you do it, you never get off it. But yeah. I, I've started the final battle like five times being like, oh, I'll just get to the portal scene and then I'll turn it off. And there I am 47 minutes later, like. I wonder if they're going to get the gauntlet into the thing now. I don't. I don't know how it's going to end. <laughs> I've seen it sixteen times. I'm like, I don't know, guys. This might be, Thanos might win this one. <laughs> um, now, just we've we've touched on it twice. Uh, there was one uh, specific like nod to the movie that I was alone in the theaters. It was three o'clock on a Tuesday. I looked around hoping someone else saw it so that I could talk to them about it because I was so excited that it happened. 
it was towards the end when they showed it in the trailer that Tony gets into the fight. It's with Artie, like right outside the bakery. Um, I think is that supposed to be Artie? Show. Yeah, that's Artie. Okay. See, you didn't know, but there he is, major character. And yeah. uh, it's when he calls him like Joe Jerkoff, and he's, he's like, what'd you say? And he starts a fight. Carmella's with him. And Carmella starts mm-hmm. to tries to break up the fight. She jumps on top of Tony's back, and he like shakes her off. And she falls and she's like laying on the floor. And it's the exact scene of when she tried to break up Bobby and Tony's fight in the episode Eddie referenced earlier. I I almost stood up. I was like, there it is. That's the best reference right there. Like that was to me, that was so cool because that was such an important scene with him and Bobby. And that was such a good episode um, that really set like the whole tone for the season six part one, which was not great. But they really i thought like doing things little things like that i thought were so cool like having him uh like we mentioned junior falling that was like a huge scene in the show and it was big in the movie uh having him go to the guidance counselor and be like this is dumb and then he opens up anyway like very similar to dr melfi like little things like that i thought were were so cool um but then you know they had a bunch of other like hack jobs of jokes like uh the the baby christopher thing and and um, I have others. Hold on. Uh, what about the, the bullet through the bun? I did. Do you like do you the like the bullet, bullet through, through the bun? I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing until like yesterday. Oh really? I don't remember that line in the show. Oh yeah. Janice tells yeah. it in the in the original series. You I remember think. from when, yeah. Jake? I don't remember exactly when she says it either in the show, but I remember she said it. It's oh. somewhere in season six because uh, my father's rewatching the show and just pointed out, or maybe I think it might be a little before that, but. He pointed out to me that that's where it was. I, set. I, yeah, it's. I think Janice originally says it, and then Tony mentions it to Melfi, and Melfi's like, "That's serious. Like, that's not good." Yeah. Like, and something else about that scene that is um, reoccurring in that show is that it's not exactly how it's described in the show. I saw that it, in the show. I believe Dickie's in the car when Janice tells. I'm sorry, in Newark, it's Dickie in the car, and when Janice tells Tony the show, she mentions that it's Junior. So that brings me to something I want to ask you guys about is what do you consider the reliableness of Christopher Moldesanti as a narrator of this or versus Tony's memory in the show? Because that's happened. There's a couple things like I first realized that when they with the Johnny boy arrest scene at the carnival. That's okay. recreated. And I'm like, oh, this is literally exactly what we saw. But it's a different yes. kid. and a different, Okay. And there was a, a different, different reason that Tony didn't get to go. He said it yeah. was because he was in trouble, but Tony in the show said it was because he felt like his father liked Janice more, but right. it wasn't like I, so I, you know, you really went deep into that and I didn't ever think about like, oh, it's Chris's retelling versus Tony's. Um, but right. that was, I, I mean, looking at it now, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. Like maybe it was supposed to be like, oh, this is the Tony's being emotional kind of thing versus Chris is just objectively telling the story. Um that's interesting. And like, that was, uh, I think, I'm not sure. I don't think it was Chris who said it, it might've been Silvio. Yeah. Cause Chris wasn't in the movie. Um, towards the end, he says the Tony's like, I don't want to be a part of this when he's throwing the speakers out the window. And the dad's like, what is this? What this, what thing are you talking about? I love that. And then the next scene, <laughs> he says this thing of ours. I was like, ah, that was uh, the loudest one. Yeah. I actually, I, in the movie that I audibly went, Oh, he said it. Yeah, there it is. But, <laughs> uh, like, Think, so yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Like there were definitely things that were like, like you said, 
super like that was kind of meta like oh it's chris's retelling versus tony's and then they were just like super cheap like not sopranos-esque like references to other things well that that's meta but even farther than that in the movie in newer tony gets driven back by the cops in the show he runs back from the carnival on his feet and i think he almost gets in a fight maybe he almost gets in a fight no. With some neighborhood I don't kids. remember that. So, yeah, yeah. He, almost, he almost gets in a fight with the kids hanging outside the carnival, and then he runs back home. And I'm pretty sure yeah, it runs yeah, in Olivia. Yeah. I do remember this. In the, in the movie, he gets driven back by cops. So, and he runs away. And then he runs, yes. And then he runs away. So I don't know what to make of that. I haven't made anything of that yet, but there's definitely discrepancies between with Tony's flashbacks and, you know, Blade. And it's not just like, oh, the actor is different or it's your interpretation, yeah. but. Um, so and that that could go for the whole movie with new work on what you take, right. you know, a face value or what Chris Moldesanti's interpretation of it. Even, you know, I heard a theory uh, one of my buddies was talking about was Dickie a junkie or not? You know, they think he's a junkie because he dies with Livia's the drug that Tony wants to get Livia. Oh, is and that, thinks he was. Is that Chris's? Oh. Is that Chris's? Hope you know right, optimism at play Chris about his junkie. father? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, and if it is true, right, right. And if it is true, would would you know? Would the show have even went ha- happened that way? Would Livia have been a great mother if she was somehow medicated? No, if Dickie didn't die, no, right? Probably not. No, but probably not. Regardless of it, there was no saving Livia from being a good mother. That's fair. No, but um, going back to the uh, the unreliable narrator thing. Uh, I mean, first off, like we. I don't, I don't think anybody would disagree that Tony is like, he's a prime case for an unre- unreliable nar- narrator based on how he's acted throughout the entire series. But an interesting about the Chris side of it all is when I was watching with captions in the beginning, when it's going up to Chris Moltisanti's grave and you hear like other voices in the background, I don't exactly quote me on this, but I know it's, it's the captions label it as like a priest or something in the afterlife and he makes some i think it's him speaking like in the afterlife like pleading for his case and he's like no i was a good guy like yeah i was in the mob but you know and then he starts to tell the story i'm like 90 percent oh, sure that's very that interesting jake that he's like i was running in as a star as the movie was starting up so i don't know if i caught i don't i didn't catch that yeah so i think he could be an unreliable narr- that's a really good point I, I didn't think about that but i'm like 90 percent sure that that's the way it's framed in the beginning is right. that he's like speaking to someone in the afterlife about like trying to say, yeah, you know, I was in the mob. I did some bad things, but also like look at the bad things that were done to my family, you know? Right. Right. I, um, I, so yeah, I, I mean, so that's the thing is the show, it definitely linked to the show a lot. I mean, I know I've said that a few times. It, there were, some things that you had to like really look into some things that weren't, it was, it just felt a little uneven. Like, um, I remember when, with the, the ice cream truck thing, they asked in, in the scene with the bun, actually, they asked, uh, how did you even find out about this? And he said, Oh, uh, his cousin, Anthony Blundetto told, uh, Janice about that. And I thought that was like, that's not like super easy to look into. Like, Blundetto giving Tony already giving Tony a problem like him already being a headache for Tony that's kind of how I took it and then that kind of foreshadowed that he would be that same way so things like that I was fine with and then like like you said like the Sopranos had so many different times in the show where it was like very much 
oh, could go this way, could go that way. So many things up to interpretation. The movie had a few things like that, but not nearly as much as the show. And there were too many things that were like, oh, okay, that's a silly way to like shoehorn that into it. Like, I thought that was a lot of that kind of annoyed me that they just kind of like, here it is. Here's all the references we can give you in one, in one movie. Go. Like you said, if they did 10 hours of this, I would have been fine. Yeah. Where was Tony, Tony B in this movie? Also, that was my next question. They just mentioned him off screen. Um, They didn't actually show him. They mentioned him off screen once and it was in the car ride and it was that he was riding Tony out. Yeah, I and was. That goes back to you, the the first uh, topic we discussed. And yeah, I love the Dicky character and and looking at him. But I I, I would have enjoyed seeing a little bit more of Gandolfini Jr. and his crew. Definitely. Yeah. What did you, you guys know. think of his uh of his performance? Yeah, I, um, I, I thought I he was. Care. Yeah, I, I mean, I you know I, I would have liked a little bit of the the kind of thing he does with his s's. I don't know how to. I don't. You can't really. You know when he talks like dish, yeah, yeah. Didn't do <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was pretty good. It a little bit struck me. There was sometimes where he like really looked like his dad, and sometimes where I was like, "Oh, that really looks like young Tony." And then yeah. there were other times where I was thinking about how the kid said, "I've never watched The Sopranos until I was cast." And I was like, "Yeah, I could tell. Like, I get that. That makes sense." <laughs> did he say that? I didn't. I didn't know that. He did. He said he'd never watched an episode until he was cast in the movie. He also said he never saw his dad as Tony because his dad would never act as Tony in the house. He would always go into his office. Well, in the, in the talking Sopranos podcast, he said he was like on set all the time. So I don't like, he might've like oh. seen him and maybe not in the house. He wouldn't yeah, like maybe he recite meant just lines. Like, I never stuff, saw him but, like that at home, like acting. Yeah. Like he meant, I think his whole point was like, he never brought the character home. Like he was always uh, James Gandolfini at home. And then he was Tony Soprano when he was at work. But he said I had never actually watched an episode, which like, what a loser. Watch the show. <laughs> Did he give I, a I, reason? Is, was it, it he didn't want to see I mean, his dad know, in that I, light? I, I, or? I don't know if my, if my father was he, in a movie, I don't think I would ever watch that movie. It would be kind of uncomfortable to see like him he, act. He, oh my he God, also imagine said watching that, uh, the scenes where he gets like an aggressive BJ from his wife, from your oh my dad. God. I, I never <laughs> watch TV again. That's a fair point. He also said that, like, after his dad passed, like, especially the seasons, like, when his when Tony shot and in the hospital were, like, very hard for mm-hmm. him to watch and stuff mm-hmm. uh, on the... Me too. Those talk- episodes weren't on- great. <laughs> oh, like, no. The dream this- sequence. Are you a dream sequence hater, Tommy? Yeah, I am. That you don't whole, like the, the test dream? That whole arc was absurd. There's you don't, not you a- don't think about the whole arc? What, um... Travel and salesman, it's weird because I, liked, I yeah. liked the fly episode of Breaking Bad, which I feel kind of right. goes hand in hand with the like episodes where he's in the hospital. And uh, I, I just didn't like those. I thought they were so boring and I didn't think they were – you know what they didn't need that late into the show was character development. Like you had enough. There was 60 hours of TV to get like the character development. I did not need it. You weren't impressed the, by the way they portrayed dreams? I felt no. I felt like that was I mean it was the first show I watched, but I still don't feel like I've seen a show to perfect how dreams really are. Maybe maybe Inception because that was their whole thing, you know. But yeah, I mean it kind of had to be. Um, it kind of uh, had yeah, to be. To me, it was unnecessary. Like I thought it was like experimental, and don't don't waste my no. time with your experimental nonsense. <laughs> I don't, there there, like there wasn't a favorite. 
your favorite band releases like here's a new type of music like no i don't i don't want to hear that give me give me the old type I don't, yeah yeah <laughs> To each his own. There, there wasn't a moment of Sopranos that I didn't like. I liked like every episode. Maybe like it's hard to I get through the first half of season six. Yeah, you said that before, Tommy. And I was trying to remember what my feelings were on on the first half of season six. You think there was just there was a little bit of a drop off. Like it could, it wasn't like it used to be better. It was like seasons uh, to me, like two, three, four, five. Mm. Like uh, three, four, five is really like the prime. And I feel like that's a lot of shows. Like, I mean, I, like, I know The yeah. Office is like, once you really find what your like your tone and what what people like, you really kind of cater to the show towards that. But then I guess after whatever three four right. years, you get a little tired of like doing the same thing. You don't want you want to avoid being repetitive. Like, the show Homeland, I know they did. Like three, the first season was awesome, and then the second season was just the same thing, still good. And then the third season was like the same thing, and everyone was like, all right, enough. And then season four, yeah, they just yeah. completely changed the cast. Like, I think you kind of, you run into a, an issue of you don't want to be repetitive, but you don't want to like sell out for the, so it's hard to keep reinventing. And I think they reinvented in the wrong way in season six. Do you, do you know, did they know that that was going to be the last season or what you think that was part of the decision at the halfway point of season six? I think that they that knew was- they, I remember I this, I mean, it was so long ago, but I do feel like I remember my father saying, yeah, the last season is split into two seasons. Like, I think they knew going into it that it was going to be that. So at um, least they had their timing down where they weren't forced to shut it down because they knew that right, the awkward yeah. span about, yeah. Yeah. That's like my the worst thing for me is when a show gets canceled and like the season ended on a cliffhanger. There's this show, 1600 Pen, that ended with the president's daughter having um, a baby with the president's uh, African-American chief of staff. And that's the ending of the show is they just show everybody looking at the chief of staff. And then the show ends and it got canceled. I still don't know what happened and it kills me. It eats me alive. <laughs> so like at least the Sopranos got to go out the way they wanted to. And like, like I know Breaking Bad did the same. Like ending it on your own terms is probably so hard. But it's like I think it's really important for a show. Yeah. Um, one thing Eddie for, uh... always kind of pointed out to me about the Sopranos is I mentioned it earlier. The amount of references to the old like to the the movies that got them there, like the Goodfellas movies and the Godfathers and things like that. Uh, uh, one of the things is they, the first scene is they're on Belmont Avenue um, in Newark, but Belmont Avenue is where a Bronx tale takes place. Thought that was clever. Uh, they mentioned out of oh. nowhere. Yeah. At one of the Baptist, at the baptism, yes. one of the people that comes over says something to him and he's like, get out of here. Colosio. Like, that's not an accident that you put that ridiculous name in the movie. Like it's obviously right, right. to the Bronx tale. Uh, and one of the albums that he brings Ray Liotta in prison is a Joe Pesci album. Joe Pesci made an, like an oh. actual album and it's, it's like little Joe. Is that one of the ones he says, Oh, I don't want it. That's one of the ones he says, I don't yeah, want it. Right. He says, like, I don't yeah, take yeah. these back. And it was Joe Pesci and it was Ray Liotta. Cause like, you know, Tommy and him, but that was the good fellas connection. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. And just that. to go back to one of our first topics, the uh, you know the end scene, another clue that I've always referenced was the guy walking into the bathroom, because uh, you know they have you went turned to Godfather, he goes to the bathroom, walks, and that certainly a concern to Tony's is that the guy's in the bathroom just like Michael was in his his kill scene, um, and the first attempt on on Tony's life, this is one I love that really got me into all Easter eggs, was he was buying orange juice, and. 
the godfather Vito is buying oranges when the attempt on his life is made. So that kind of got me into the Godfather themes surrounding assassinations. Yeah. And that's something that when I saw that last scene, I was like, oh, man, the guy's coming out of the bathroom firing. There's um, also something to the effect of that guy is wearing a members only jacket. Like that was what the jacket was mm-hmm. called. And there's yeah. another episode called yeah. members only. I don't remember what the significance was, but somebody dies or maybe Tony says, oh, it's the episode where they get where that you reference where Tony says like you probably don't even realize it everything just goes black that it's episode the guy, is titled he, members he, only he the guy he like is in one episode he's he hangs himself at the end because he they won't let him go like leave the mob to Florida and he kills someone that episode in a members only jacket okay um right right he, yeah so they say the episode where Tony brings up like this is what happens when you die i believe that's the one that's titled members only and he mentions that and then the members only jacket is there when it's rumored that he dies. So like the connections are there. I mean, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's, I mean, this is going to sound wrong. I mean, like it's, uh, you're almost like thankful that they didn't get the opportunity to make a movie. Cause I don't, you don't want them to really water down the ending. Like entourage ended with Vince flying off into the sunset and getting married and E flying off into the sunset and getting married. And then the movie started with both of them getting divorced. Like, what was the finale for if that was the case? So, like, you don't want them to undo a finale that, whether you liked it or not, I mean, it, it moved the needle. Everybody still talks about it. Yeah. I But I think, the like you said, the connections are there. I think just the whole point of it is that it's supposed to drive us crazy. Like, life is coincidental. Yeah. Like, could it have happened? Could it have not have happened? But speaking I, of that's death the part scenes... Of the reason, and, like, yeah. So I was saying that's just part of the reason I think that prequel was more appropriate for this franchise than a sequel. I like that ending being there, and everybody has their own take. And you know, this for me, it was always more questions about the before times than where they go from the end of the show. Yeah, definitely. So while we're on the topic of death scenes, before we get to the report card, um, let's talk about the big reveal of the movie, which is essentially. Um, what actually happened to Dickie Moltisante, who whacked him, the terms of his death. I mean, in The Sopranos, uh, Tony tells Chrissy that uh, a ter- uh, like a, a bad cop, a turned cop, is the one that killed him. And Chrissy ends up killing him. But in the movie, it's revealed that it's actually Junior. So oh. thoughts on that? I, for- I thought it was I awesome forgot. that Junior... I think it's so funny that this show did so many things to like... You kind of changed opinions. Like I, I, you like Livia a little more than you did in the show, and like you saw that Tony and Janice did have like a nice, kind of a nice relationship growing up, like just like a regular brother and sister. The only thing they didn't try to change is that they just made Junior like a constant scumbag. Like everyone hated Junior in the show, and then the movie they were just like, you know what, we're gonna make him hate him even more. Like every scene he was in, he just pissed you off. Like he was just such a like a weasel, such a little slime ball. I loved that. The movie like really and then at the end they really go like full on heel turn like worst guy of all time and uh he kills and like i said dicky was pretty likable i think i don't think a lot of people hated like the character and they just had him kill like a really good character that that they really introduced and made great inside of two hours yeah 
it goes back to the quote of the episode, uh, like pain comes from wanting and junior's yeah. whole character is about, he wants that recognition and everyone right. just kind of dismisses him. Every, literally every scene of this movie, someone is making fun of him, like making a joke of something he said, not listening, like kind of dismissing him. Um, it's like his whole entire character. He wants recognition. Yeah. He wants to be boss, you know? And I don't know, not, like that reveal makes me want to go back, watch the entire series and now pay more attention to junior and Chrissy's, interactions with each other or any time yeah, they're right. with each other and hate him even more yeah, yeah i don't i don't like junior's like a horrible <laughs> horrible character did, do you did like he's a great character the motivation did you like the motivation you think that no. accurately describes his character For like it was i i don't like that they they put it under the guise of he was making fun of me uh but really it was just because he was jealous of his thing like the jealousy thing was no new wrinkle mm-hmm. for, for Junior, especially like with Tony, you saw it constantly. Um, so I didn't think that was like complete. I don't like that they even had him laughing at him. Like that was such a weird thing to even try to like say like, oh, maybe it was that he was laughing at him. Like it should have just been Junior has always been like a power hungry a-hole and like that it finally like got him it, there. It, it was I, I thought they overemphasized the laughing at the, at the fall. Yeah, I, I get it. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just wanted more like some underlying plot or you know ambition that you were trying to fill. Out, you know, it it was a little more reserved and not as on the nose. But there's a conversation between Johnny Boy, uh, Soprano, and Junior in the car, and he's like, "Come on, like you you would have been in line for boss, but look at Dicky. He his his dad died, and he's stepping up. Like you got to step up." Mm-hmm. So I think like that is another big part of it. Is like my younger yeah. brother's doing better than me. Dicky's doing better than me. Like. Right, you know, right. That, that's a good point. Yeah, and and you know, also father figure to Tony. Yeah, right. And I like definitely. that the father wasn't like John Bernthal wasn't super in the movie because like Tony did reference in the show that his he didn't want to be kind of like his dad. He didn't want to be like the. I believe, I think he said his father was like a nothing. Like he just never really like had what it took. And I like that they really like emphasize that his dad was always kind of like a little bit like into it but also like i'll back up like i don't want to be like they really showed that tony took after dicky more than he took after his father and i like that a lot right yeah. and and that makes his father going to jail that arrest scene even more relevant yeah. i didn't really think that much of it when i was watching the show you know gangsters go to jail it is what it is but that right. shows the void that left in tony's life yeah, yeah. So like that was a that's another bronx tale reference that scene the kid who plays young Tony is young Colosero in the Bronx Tale. Look at that. Oh. I wouldn't have caught any of Tommy. Like yeah, I did. No, that's not in the movie. In the show, young Tony. Oh, okay, okay. Young oh, Colosero okay, okay. now is probably like my Whoa. age. Right, right. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. So, I think it's time we get to the Popcorn Heist Report card. Let's give Many Saints of Newark the run through. So, Eddie, Tommy, uh, I'm not sure. Just going to fill you in, uh, fill you guys in. Uh, we've changed the Popcorn Ice Report card uh, since its initial creation. Is uh, We have seven categories, and we're each going to rate them on a scale from 1 to 10. Um, like, say you wanted to give something a 7.2. You can give it a 7.1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 8.0, 8.1, 8.2, so on and so forth. Anywhere okay. from 0 to 10. Uh, give like a sentence for your reasoning and then we'll total it up and give many cents in Newark. It's popcorn heist rating. So let's start with pacing. Tommy, you want to start it off with pacing? 
I need a minute. The uh, I mean, the pacing I thought was was fine. I didn't. I, there were no points that I felt it was really slow. I didn't think it was particularly too fast. I could have used more time. Uh, I'll I'll say like a seven and a half, seven point five. Okay. What about you? I'm Eddie? surprised, Tommy. You, you know, I I would go even lower. Just talking about the rush pace. You know, it didn't have to be that much more drawn out, but. You know, I, I thought it's so long waited, overweighted for. I, I would have given it a four or five. Four point five. Unless I would say, I would let's say four point five. Yeah, and that that's just me. That I, I you know, I always, or whatever franchise I said that about. I know me and Nicky always talk about what Star Wars Episode Nine needed. I mean, that trilogy needed a lot, but I always said another JJ asked for another half Whole an hour to episode. give it to. <laughs> and not even the down a Star Wars route, but I, I think. In, you know, especially a movie like that where there were so many characters that are touching on and so many different layers to it, they could have paced it. And, and like Tommy said, those the references from this show would have got more laughs if they weren't so condensed. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll say give it a 4.5. Uh, I'm going to say, like, this is the probably the toughest category, like where it's going to get the, t- the the harshest rating for me. I mean, it, it deserved to be a miniseries. It deserved to be a show. That's like what made The Sopranos great and different from other things in the same genre of, of Italian mob movies. Um, you know, the pacing, like I never sat through the movie and I was like, wow, this is taking a long time to get through. Like what, how much time yeah. has gone by. But then I felt like immediately once you got to Dickie's death, the, the, well, the whole, the whole plot with him and Harold, the, and like the civil rights stuff that was going on, like towards the end of that, I was like, okay, this is kind of fading out quickly. And then Dickie died. And then all of a sudden, like, you hear the theme song playing. I was like, is this really the end? Like, it ended right. very abruptly for me. It ended abruptly, yeah. That, by the way. That was a cool. That was, yeah. was awesome. It was, yeah. it was great, yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a 6.5. Yeah. I was being harsh. Put me down for 5.5. I was being overly harsh because <laughs> I was expected so much. Give it a 5.5. All right, uh, Tommy, visuals. I thought the visuals were great. I didn't. I felt like it was, I mean, visuals. I'm. It includes like what the characters look like and everything. I mean, aside from making um, Livia like attractive, uh, I, I think honestly, I thought it was awesome. Like, I think there wasn't anyone that really, other than Pauly, who really didn't look at all or sound at all like their person. I would. I, I that I'm gonna. I'll give that a nine. That was pretty excellent. Okay. Yeah, I second hey. that. I, I think they encapsulated that era, especially, you know, with Sopranos always had a little different. It wasn't, you know, one of the major cities. It was removed, New Jersey, Newark, and I thought they encapsulated a different era, and the casting was phenomenal. And um, I, think it, I think it looked good. I think, you know, the, um, the whole setting of the movie was, was, was on point. What's your, what's your score out of 10? Uh, I'll second to nine, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. I I had really had no problem with the visuals either. I think it was just the change of, you know, TV clearly has like a very specific vibe to it in terms of visuals, and Sopranos in particular like has that like early two thousands like energy to it. I don't which know. Which is and my favorite ever. Which is yeah, part of the reason that makes Sopranos you know king for me. Yeah. As opposed to the classics, that are all the thousands more relatable. It feels like something we grew up in, you know. So I yeah. definitely 
come from, get where you're coming from. But I don't think it's a it's a fault. I think that's just the way movies look, and it's a testament to how much they've improved. I think, uh, like you guys said, like the way the characters looked was on point. They all looked great. Um, I'm gonna give it. I'll give it like an eight point. No, I'll second a nine. You know, I'll go with I'll yeah. go with a nine. I'll third a nine. There, there you go. <laughs> all right. Tommy acting. I think the acting was fine. I didn't think I don't know if I liked it. I um I don't think anyone was like, you know, wow, that was like really good. I think Dickie was like awesome, but um I, I 7.5. I want to I was going to say 8, but I'll go 7.5. There was some the Pauly thing. I can't get over that. That really <laughs> The point across the point 0.5. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, right, I'll stick with the aid, and I'll just give him the benefit of doubt, because I, I think playing roles that are already established is a, you know an extra level of difficulty. It's hard for like especially the I, I mean we we kind of gave him a, a little bit of a harsh review the guy who played Silvio. It's hard to live up to someone like Stevie Van Zandt. That's such a unique yeah. performance. Like how much of him do you put into it? Right. Um, yeah, it's tough. Just the right amount of sort of overacting, but like, didn't feel like it was like just a real, that's tough to like, not also go overboard with yours. Yeah. Right. Um, but everything that's been said before, Alessandro Nivola was amazing as Dickie. I thought he was like a very great, that guy's like, name? yeah. Think he's uh, Italian? He is Italian. <laughs> Sounds Irish. He was a, a very good uh, Tony-esque character for this story. Uh, Corey and that, Stoll. That was the key. Without that, nothing else falls in place. Yeah. Corey Stoll was great as Junior. Um, I'll give it an 8.2. Tommy, uh, music. The music was awesome. There were like seven, seven times in the movie I was like, oh, that's a good song. Oh, that's a good song. I mean, it was just the music of the time that they were filming it, but I, I like the music. I'm 10. And then also the theme song at the end. Was nice. I'm going 10. A 10. Wow. All right, Eddie. I'll, 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 sec- I'll second 10. I, I like the music. I like the era music. Um, and the, woke up this morning to close out the film. It was perfect. Oh, was so, I mean, yeah. you, you can't deny how good that's. <laughs> like, I listen to that song like it's on my playlist, like like songs on Spotify. I just listen to it every once in a while. It's just oh, so good. Man. Uh, <laughs> that Dang. one month when I when I was grounded, I first started every day on repeat. That you felt like you were in the in the Sopranos. Yeah, I, I felt it was the the rest of the music too was good. Like like Tommy, you said I like they would play a song and I'd be like, oh, that, I know that song. That's a good song. But it was never like anything that was too well known or too poppy. I feel like David Chase and uh, the people who surround the Sopranos are really good at choosing. Like, and I've I've always felt like, like they, that was consistent throughout the course of the show too. I have a lot of songs in my library. Oh, that was from that episode. That was from that episode, mm-hmm. and songs that I already knew that became even more loved because of the connection it had with the show and the scene. One shout out: Lincoln Park's my favorite band. Session by Lincoln Park. The scene where Tony's mulling over, um, at, smoking a cigar at the Bada Bing, and he's mulling over that woman in his life, his his Johnny Boy's Guma. And a bunch oh, of other yeah, things. Yeah. And Session by Lincoln Park plays out. So that's that's one that's just a great example of it. But there's a ton. There's so comes many. Comes Love, Artie yeah, Shore. Obviously. When Junior the, shoots Tony Soprano, Comes Love, Artie Shore is another one. The the 
Steely Dan dirty work scene, obviously one of the greatest ever. I love Steely Dan, so <laughs> you, you know I love that scene. <laughs> but I, I won't go ten. I'll, I'll go. I'll go nine. Um, yeah, I don't think that this movie needed like a grand. Like I'm a huge movie score person, like Hans Zimmer, like John Williams, and and stuff like that. I don't think it needed that because The Sopranos was never like that kind of thing in, in the TV show where like it needed a grand score. I think the way that it brought in those pop songs and rock songs was perfect. And then the score also was like just a perfect amount of like, it wasn't like too grand, like blockbuster soundtrack, but it wasn't like nothing. That, that would have been overkill in another way. Yeah. So I'll give it a nine. Uh, Tommy story. Not excellent. Um, I, I didn't love the, I didn't like, I'm, uh, six, five and a half, 5.5. I just, I was, it, it was not like, it was unnecessary. I felt like I didn't think it was really any like consequential thing. I I think prequels are also difficult because you know, the fate of everybody, like, uh, unless you know, there's going to be a second one, you know, that, it, okay, this guy, he's, he's got to live. Like he can't die. Cause he's in the show. Like they can't kill him off. I think that's hard to do, and I, I, I just didn't love. I thought the story was just like unnecessary. So, uh, yeah, five and a half. For that reason, I All don't right. want to be too too hard on it either. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the story was mostly a vehicle for introducing all these characters, and you know the the the, the Easter eggs and the relationship between the characters that lead up into the current show. But I, I don't know that the story was, um you know, by soprano standards, phenomenal. I, I will give it a, a seven. It, it okay. wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but. Yeah. You know. it, no, it wasn't bad, but uh, I've, I'll I said it once. We've all said it and I'll say it again. It deserved to be multiple episodes. Like the whole thing with him and with Dickie and Harold could have been like an entire season yeah. Yeah. Of, of content. Like Harold was a great character too. And like, I would love to see more from that. And, I think another thing about the story, which was interesting, we mentioned it, is that the marketing was very, a very strange choice to make all the posters say who made Tony Soprano. Like for Michael Gandolfini to be in the entire trailer and then only to be in half the movie. And on Talking Sopranos, uh, like apparently that was a choice, a specific choice made by David Chase that he went to, I think, the actor who played Dickie and he's like, yeah, this movie might say like who made Tony Soprano, but it's really about you. It's about Dickie. So that's interesting because I think that's what I, we all felt, right? Yeah, I, mean, I felt I, it was more of a, a more of a you know through the lens of of young Tony with Dickie being there and the, you know in the background, but it was really more through the lens of Dickie than anybody. Yeah, I mean, I won't give it as harsh because as as, as much as I wanted it to be a, a series, it it wasn't, and I still felt it was the story was like in keeping with the Sopranos, like it didn't like over gratuitously like give us a, a like over glorify tony's growing up and being like this is the origin right. story for tony soprano like right. i feel like that's very much in soprano's fashion to be like nah he's a side character it's going to add a little more context yeah. but like this is about dicky um the man so man. yeah definitely like right. had its faults could have used some more runtime or be a series but i'll give it like a 7.4 ish yeah and now, I, I, not at the risk of, of running it down on the tangent, 
but I know we don't we won't see any more of Dickie. Do you, do you think there's room for a future installment in the Spanos franchise? Yeah, absolutely. Coming out of years, there's still like ten years, isn't there? Or like fifteen years between like where the show ended and where the where the show started and the movie ended. Yeah, I feel like they they can really make a a movie about like Tony and his boys coming up together. I would love that. Maybe coming that's out of this movie. This movie is for right. Tell the Dicky story, lay the groundwork, and maybe right. we'll either see another movie or, like you said, even more. You know, better would be a mini series. Coming out Festival of this, would be a series. I don't know if if, they, if that, that's. Uh, that would be great. I mean, feasible. coming out of this movie, I was like, they definitely could make like multiple sequels to this if they wanted to. I don't know if it needs it. Maybe one more. I honestly maybe would love. I, we'll see where they're at, right? I mentioned it on the episode with Ray with Ray last episode. They can do a whole series about the New York crime family. That would be awesome. Right, right. I think that'd be so cool. That would but, be great. That would be that would be that would be really cool. All right. Last category, Tommy. Heart. That's tough because I know they tried. I just don't know that they tried hard enough. Um, I, so I don't want to like punish them because like obviously it was you know, I, I know that they wanted to make it good, but I, I'll say I'll say six and a half. Now by heart, you mean what what these actors and directors pour into the the film? Well, we can we can't really obviously they worked hard on it. Heart is more like yeah. you know you know when you watch a movie and you're like, This movie has like heart. Something it's like about, yeah. like they they really Saving Private Ryan has a lot of heart. Saving Private Ryan okay. has a lot of heart. The end of Avengers Endgame with the devotion to Tony Stark has a lot of heart in it. Like they really like delivered something that have no heart. They they, they delivered well, something that made sense to the story, like and delivered well on the story. You know, okay. if yeah, that if well, that makes sense, like. I know people will criticize Young Gandolfini's performance. Perhaps uh, I, you know I won't. I think that it, whether or not I watch an episode, that's his father's role. I think it does take a lot of heart to step into that. Um, he did say, he said he, he gained more respect for his father as he played the role and realized how tough a role was. You know, and there's a lot of pressure there, and I don't think he crumbled under it. And um, I think uh, Dickie, whatever, the Alessandro, you know, I think he realized this was his one shot to make his mark on the franchise, and I, I think he crushed it up. I'll be a little more generous. I'll, I'll, I'll give it. I'll give it an eight. You know, I, I think where like the storytelling, they did bring everything they had to the table. Um, For the most part, I'm going to go in the middle of you guys and give it uh, a straight seven. Um, I think that it had like all the elements of like, as a Sopranos fan, like you said, Tommy, the whole movie, like, oh, there it is. There, like, as a Sopranos fan, you, ha I had so much fun, just like yes, we're getting more material in this universe and like they're giving us all like these things that we know and love. They're bringing back these characters. Um, but, and it was all like I've been saying in true fashion of how the Sopranos show was, you know, it didn't give us too much, didn't give us too little. Um, I felt like it was well balanced in uh, how they uh, addressed certain things in the universe. But there was just something missing it was that and that x factor that i feel like they just needed a little bit more oomph in to be I like i can't pinpoint wow. my finger exactly on it but i have that yeah same feel. it's so hard to put pinpoint what it was but 
It just needed that little extra oomph. Uh, is it something seven. that could be filled? That, that is it a gap that could be filled by another installment, or do you think this movie, you know, is what it is and um, can't be like expanded upon or improved by a, se- a sequel or? I, I a think we, prequel, we're looking. We're, I think, I think it could be on its own. To be honest, yeah. I think yeah. I think if they wanted to, they can do a series, they can do sequels. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I really just think it's its own story. Like that's an unanswered question you have coming out of the series is what actually happened to Dicky, and it's just right. like, hey, if you want to get that answer, like here you go. Here it is, and if you want to believe it and take it as face value, take it as face value. If you don't, blame it on Christopher. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they'll do a a sequel movie about what happened to the Russian. Yeah, that's something I would yes. be into. Yes, please. Yes. please. Give me like a 30-minute online special of that. I need it. <laughs> All right, are we ready for the big reveal? Drum roll, please. I'm not going to do that. Many Saints of Newark has 78%. That's fair. That's, yeah. That's, that's fair. That's fair. I think that's very like fair. Like I said, I felt like it just sort of happened, and I was like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Thank you. It, it's nothing like, oh my god, like if you like if you watch the Sopranos, like get ready for many Saints of Newark. It's like right. oh, like oh I just finished, I wonder what happened to Dickie. Oh you, oh go watch Many Saints of Newark. It's I interesting. think people are very usually underwhelmed by the movies off based off TV shows. Like I didn't watch them, but I know um people who did watch Sex in the City hated the movies. I, I personally didn't care for the Entourage movie. Um I hated whatever the nonsense Breaking Bad movie was. I don't even remember what that was called. El Camino. Yeah, that was terrible. I, I don't think they, they don't, it's hard, you know, it's hard to get years of a TV show squeezed into a two hour movie, especially with all the expectations and stuff that you have built up for it. Yeah, for sure. One of the hardest things yeah. rather than making just a plain sequel or prequel. Right. And at least honest. they did something creative with the prequel and making it like young Tony and it was his son, like, so you can't hate it, but I don't. I don't. I didn't love it. Yeah, I think they did it justice, but it, and it didn't. It didn't feel forced like some sequels do, where it's just extra content for extra content's sake. Yeah, I think it had. Yeah, its I think place. if you watch the movie and then the yeah. show, you'd love the movie. And you know, for that reason, I think that's. I agree with that. Um, and for that reason, I would think that a New York spinoff would be good yeah. because you wouldn't I, have I those would same expectations that. and the same most associated with the characters. It'd be kind of. Its own thing, in a way. Yeah, you know, it, it'd be the, the mystery of Dicky Montesante and the youth of Tony are kind of like these key things that everybody has all these opinions about and have thought about for, you know, however fifteen years since the last episode. So it it, it was going to be a hard, it was an uphill battle to please one of the most yeah. passionate fan bases in show history. In in a sense, this one had an easier would have an easier job than the New York. A New York spinoff potentially because you have a question to answer, like mm-hmm. how did Tony That's get true. here? What happened to Dickie? Yeah. Whereas New York, we don't know anything, so they'd really like. I'm sure David Chase could easily come up with stuff that would make sense, but it is a harder job, I think, than what right. this movie had to do. But right, it's so much So you get to see little Carmine again, though, and I would be very excited. Yeah, <laughs> for that character to be back on screen. Yeah, love. Uh, I love that character. Um, <laughs> And it was very oh, did, Jake. You know, I said that to you, and, and uh, the interview only, uh, you know, reinforced that for me. 
Yeah, he was great. So if you want to hear that interview with Ray Abruzzo, then check out episode 30. Um, but Eddie, thank you for coming on. Loved having you on here talking about Sopranos. We'll definitely have you on again if we talk about it again. Um, yeah, pleasure, boys. Hopefully down the road I'll be back on for the sequel review or the New York uh, prequel <laughs> review. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Hopefully Nick will have watched it by then. Yes, I'll make sure of it. <laughs> I got right here the... I should have gave this to him before he went. The box set. The oh, shit. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. There you go. Yeah. I didn't have any apparel, but I... I and um, Tommy, thank you for guest hosting. Uh, for all you listeners out there, hope you enjoyed this review. Join the heist. Thank you.